you are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello there, welcome to this week's podcast. So this week, it's just me. I'm going to chat to you. And what I'm actually going to talk about this week is um, rewiring neural pathways and trying to explain what that actually means. Um, This is explained very thoroughly in the book that I just um, published this year called Rehabilitate, Rewire, Recover. And the title kind of gives that away a little bit. Rehabilitate, Rewire, Recover. And what that stands for is my belief that in order to make full recovery from a long-term restrictive eating disorder, you have to do two things. You have to nutritionally rehabilitate your body and you have to neurally rewire your brain. Now the book I wrote was damn long so this is going to be a much shorter version of that and not quite as in-depth but here we go. So nutritional rehabilitation. We know that energy deficit is what triggers an eating disorder in anybody that has the genetic predisposition for one. And so nutritional rehabilitation kind of reverses that. Um, it takes you out of energy deficit. It can also help your body start to recover from the long-term effects of malnutrition. So that's super important. You cannot fully recover from an eating disorder when you are still in energy deficit. And that I think most people get... Uh, I say most, I wish everybody, but I think that most people get that in order to help somebody recover from an eating disorder, you have to get them out of energy deficit. I think that this is employed really well in, say, family-based treatment for eating disorders, where refeeding is the primary and most um, important aim of the treatment. But I think that it what gets a little bit missed in when we're talking about adults who have had long-term eating disorders is this second part, and that's the neural rewiring part. So, whenever you do something, whenever you do something repetitively, you start to form neural pathways in your brain. And that's why our brains are so fantastic, because they learn. <laughs> and it's this learning that enables to, us to start doing things automatically And then um, intelligence is freed up to think of other things when you're doing things relatively automatically. And so there's a reason that at school, my math teacher made us repeat and recite our times tables. And there's a reason that now if you still ask me what's two times two, my brain automatically goes four. And I don't really have to think about that. That's an ingrained neural pathway. My brain has learned that. And usually this is absolutely wonderful and uh, makes us really smart and makes humans be able to do amazing things. But um, sometimes it's not particularly helpful. And when you have a restrictive eating disorder and you have been doing uh, the behaviours and um, responding to particular thought patterns for years and years and years and years, then neural pathways form. And this is why we maybe describe somebody as having an entrenched behaviours. Um, and so for an example of an entrenched behaviour or entrenched thought pattern, maybe me, every time I see food or look at food, I would instantly start counting calories in my head. Now, so that's a really interesting example, counting calories. I think a lot of people do this and a lot of people are annoyed at the fact that they do it when they're trying to recover, but you don't really understand after a while, well, why is this happening so automatically? Well, with that counting calories, your brain, remember your brain is super smart. And so 
when you first start counting calories, it might be to, you know, you're actually thinking and intending to, I'm going to try and eat less and therefore counting calories is relevant information for me. And after years and years and years, and even when you're in recovery, and even when you've decided, I actually, I want to eat more now, I want to get better, I don't want to do this anymore, then your brain still counts calories. And you're trying to work out like, why is this still happening? It's driving me crazy. And so just think of all of the years that you've counted calories. And then think that every time you've done that, your brain has learned that counting calories is important. Your brain thinks that the information it gets when it counts calories is really important, vital information. And the reason that your brain thinks this is because after you've counted calories for all these years, your behavior has changed as a result of what that calorie count gave you. And so our brains are informed by our actions. If, for example, you counted calories and then you did nothing with that information, your brain's going to consider that information as redundant. However, remember for years you've been counting calories and that information has informed your actions. You probably ate less later as a result of it, or you modified something or you changed something. And so the fact that that informed and changed your behavior teaches your brain that counting calories is really, really, really important information. And that becomes neurally hardwired because you keep on doing it over and over and over again. The other thing that informs our brain is where we give our mental attention. And so if, say, the topic is wallpaper, I'm not at all interested in wallpaper. I've probably given the topic of wallpaper less than zero mental attention over the last 10 years, probably over my lifetime. And so therefore, I'm not just sitting around thinking about wallpaper because why would my brain do that? That's not important to me. It's not learned that wallpaper is important to think about. However, if I was an interior designer, I might think about wallpaper a lot. Wallpaper might be very important to my livelihood and my job. And so I might sit around and think about wallpaper quite a bit. When you have an eating disorder, your brain learns that things like calories and exercise and all of these actually really incredibly boring topics that are swamped in our brains the whole time. You pay mental attention to these things and that teaches your brain that they're important. So you can't expect your brain to just suddenly stop counting calories just because you've decided that you want to recover now. Your brain has had years and years and years of you teaching it via your thoughts, attention, and via your actions that counting calories is incredibly important. And that's also the reason that when you decide to go into recovery and you decide, you know what, I don't want to count calories anymore, your brain's like, wait, no, this is really important. You have to count this. The reason that your brain thinks it's important is because you've taught it that. You're, there is nothing wrong with your brain. It's just doing exactly what you trained it to do. All of the years, all of this attention on these things teaches your brain that they are vitally important. So the neural rewiring process is also where we teach our brain that, you know what, brain? I know for the last 10 years, I've thought about calories every day, maybe every minute of every day. And I know that for the last 10 years, I have counted every single calorie that I've eaten. But now it's not important anymore. And your brain will kick up a bit of a fuss. 
Because remember, you taught it that it was important. So your brain's going to be, hang on a second. Remember, this stuff's really important. And you're going to be like, nope, nope, not anymore, brain. No, it's not. And (laughs) the rewiring process is sticky like that. And you have to be so consistent and committed, which is one of the things I really try and help people with as a coach, just that consistency and the committedness. Because it's not very well to just decide, you know, for one day, not allow yourself to count calories. And for one day, if you do count calories, not allow yourself to change your behavior based on what that information gave you. But that's not going to do much good. You've had 10 years worth of days of doing the opposite. One day is not going to rewire your brain. However, because your brain is super smart, consistency will actually lead to new neural pathways being formed. And this is called neurogenesis. And so what happens is a lot of the time when a person's in recovery, and adults in recovery, nutritional rehabilitation, as I've said, crucial, vitally important. You can't recover without that. But often people will go into a treatment center and they will be refed, which is a wonderful thing. But there will be no neural rewiring involved. And the sticky part about neural rewiring is that nobody else can do that for you. So if somebody puts a plate of food in front of you and tells you to eat it and basically force you to eat it, that's a great thing. And it's going to help you nutritionally rehabilitate. But no neural rewiring occurred there because you didn't make any conscious decision and therefore your brain couldn't learn. There's a reason that in math class, your teacher didn't just give you the answers to all of the questions. There's a reason that your teacher sits there and makes you work it out yourself. That's because that's how our brains learn. And so one of the crucial aspects of neural rewiring is that you have to be the one saying, you know what? My calorie count tells me that I've eaten more today than I really, my eating disorder thinks that I'm allowed to, but I'm going to make the decision to go out and get a donut or 10 right now. And I'm doing that and I'm eating them. You're, that's incredibly difficult, isn't it? But that's why it's important because it's difficult because you are having to fight those entrenched, ingrained neural pathways. And in doing so, you are building new ones. And so this is where many treatment models really fall short, not addressing neural rewiring. And don't get me wrong, it's way better, way better to go to a treatment center and get nutritionally rehabilitated. But when you come out of that place, that's when your work starts. And that's the neural rewiring bit. And it's pretty much as simple, if you want it in a nutshell, of doing the opposite of everything that your eating disorder tells you to do. Doing the opposite of everything that feels natural to you. Because those are where those ingrained neural um, pathways have been formed. So did I mention that this stuff is really hard? It's so difficult. When your brain is convinced that you need to act a certain way, it's so difficult to, to actually do the opposite thing. It feels terrifying. And that's where most of our fear and anxiety comes from in recovery is doing the thing that our brain has been trained or not doing the thing that our brain has been trained that is very important and we have to do. The, the hard bit is, is following through with that consistency, but it does get easier. That's the thing. If you can be long-sighted enough to see, like, this is going to be difficult right now. My anxiety is going to be really high because I'm basically going against everything that my brain thinks is important. But it will get better and it does get better. Um, A lot of the time people can feel like they're in a real behavioral rut and also a thought pattern rut. And that's just because that's what happens when a neural pathway is used 
a lot. It's a bit like traffic going, or if you imagine how sheep walk in a field, and if all the sheep just walk in, they all follow each other. And if they walk in the same line, they tread down that grass and it becomes a path. And then because it's a path, they keep following that path. And those paths, those sheep trails become really deep. And that's what neural pathways are like. The more traffic that neural pathway gets, then the more entrenched it becomes. And the more you can feel like you're really in a, a rut there that's difficult to get out. But you're not. Uh, I mean, you may be in a rut that's an entrenched neural pathway, but it's not that you can't get out of it. It's just that it's difficult mentally to do so. But if you have that consistency and determination, then you absolutely can do that. And so a lot of the time in recovery... What you need to work out is, well, what support do I need in order to help me with this consistency? Um, and you know your eating disorder best. You know where it trips you up. You know yourself best. And so use that information to help you discover and, and work out what support you actually need. Um, and so consistency, 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 and it will start to work and you'll feel absolutely hopeless and quite exhausted for a long time, but it will start to work. Um, what starts to happen, say for example, with the calorie counting one is when I realized this, realized what I had to do was stop allowing that calorie counting information to be relevant because our brains don't continue to do something if it becomes obsolete. Our brains are far too smart for that. They don't have the energy to just you know, give attention to things that are obviously not relevant. So we have to make count calorie counting not relevant anymore. How do you do that? You can't expect your brain not to count calories just because you suddenly decided that you don't want to do that anymore. But it will learn not to if you don't allow that calorie counting to influence your behavior and if you don't allow yourself to place a lot of mental energy on that calorie counting. So my brain would just tot up calories like I taught it to do. And then it would give me a, oh, you've eaten X amount of calories today. That's more than usual. And instead of changing my behavior to say, eat less than I planned at the next meal, in order to show my brain that that information was not valid or relevant, I'd actually eat more at the next meal consistently. And then I got to the point where I realized that every time I counted calories, the best thing that I could do in that moment would just be to eat something, anything, whatever it was. I always have some chocolate handy, some biscuits handy. And if I noticed my brain counted calories, I'd be like, right, well, I'm going to eat right now. <laughs> and that really helped me. Um, the other part is not giving it a lot of mental attention. So as soon as I noticed that I was counting calories, I'd shut down those thoughts as quickly as possible. Um, I would, yes, take action to negate those thoughts, that would be the eating part, just wherever I was, whatever I was doing, just put something in my mouth if I was counting calories. But I would also shut down the thought as quickly as possible, rather than dwell on it, rather than allow my brain to go over and over and over it, because where attention goes, energy flows. And that's actually something that my, my meditation teacher once taught me, that where attention goes, energy flows. And where you give your mental attention is where your brain learns if, if things are important. And so not giving those thoughts mental attention. That's an example of rewiring. And that's the really important work that I think is missing a lot in treatment of adults with eating disorders. It's not quite as relevant for a 12-year-old child who's had anorexia for six months and hasn't got that neural network set up in their brain yet. Usually when somebody's young or has is really in the acute uh, the, the um, primary stages of an eating disorder, 
because neural pathways take a while to establish, the refeeding process alone will do the rewiring bit. Those of us who are adults and have had eating disorders for 10 plus years, well, probably two plus years, there's going to be neural pathways that need to be rewired in there as well. You can't expect the refeeding process to just rewire your brain. That actually is going to take energy and work. And that's what we need to do. And so that's pretty much what I've covered in great detail in the book and lots of different examples. Um, often I get asked, well, how long does all this take? And I think that I d the simplest way that I can describe a lot of this neural rewiring bit is to describe, say, if you were in a really bad uh, relationship, a traumatic relationship or something, the day that you make that decision of, I'm not going to be in this relationship anymore, and you get out of the relationship, from day one of exiting that relationship, your life is going to be different. Hopefully, it's going to be a lot better, and you're going to notice that incredibly. And even those first couple of months are just going to seem like massive freedom. And gosh, things are a hundred times better than they were when I was in this relationship. So the, the initial, when we go into recovery, that initial big shift is huge. And in that first year of recovery, many of us feel that we, we've just done so much work and we're radically different. Um, but it's still difficult now, if you've exited that abusive relationship, it will probably, although it might be radically different and much better immediately, it's going to take probably two or three years before you're completely over it, don't you think? Before you don't um, cringe at certain things or you don't jump at certain things and you completely relax and the um, relationship doesn't pop into your brain and you don't notice it in your behaviors or your reactions to other people and those things it's probably going to take a while and that's the that's what I think it's like with the neural rewiring process when you've got a restrictive eating disorder when you make the decision to recover and you start eating a lot of food and you start doing the opposite of all of these entrenched behaviors and thought patterns, immediately things are very much different. And you're just like, wow. But it takes really a couple of years for those neural pathways to, be, to go away completely. So I think that when we start building new neural pathways, when we start doing the opposite of what our eating disorder behaviors are, we immediately start building new neural pathways. But for most of us, we find that in that first year or two, it's sort of fragile. It's like you can feel that those old neural pathways are still there and kind of beckoning you to come back down them. And because they were deep, they were entrenched. So they're, st they're still going to hang around and be, they're just going to be ready for you to slide back into them. And that's why I think for the first couple of years of recovery, many of us have to be very careful with the things that um, we struggled with. So for me, exercise would be the, the primary example here. I stopped exercising. I stopped the compulsive exercise. My life was immediately very different and felt just incredible. And I felt like a, a hundred times different from when I was compulsively exercising. But there is no way I would have been able to join a gym. You know what? I couldn't even really be friends with or hang out with people who were heavy exercisers. I was just too, it was too raw still. Those neural pathways were still there. I knew I would slide back into it. Now, years and years and years later, 
I could, I could, I could go and sit in a gym all day, and I would not be tempted to get on a, on a treadmill. I can tell you that. I can have friends that run ultra marathons, and I'm not. It's not going to affect me one bit. I'll be like, all right, you go off for a run. I'm going to Wendy's, and so. I feel so, and, and that took a couple of years for me to really feel that solid. And um, so I think that that's also a really important thing to understand of this. That doesn't mean that you, it, this, it takes a couple of years to rewire. I think you can start building neural pathways as soon as you start doing a different behavior. But I do think it takes a couple of years for those old entrenched neural pathways to really go away and die. Um, and so if you're in recovery right now, of course, nutritional rehabilitation, you know me. I think it's the most important thing in the world. But you have to do the neural rewiring as well if you've had an eating disorder for any length of time. And believe me, because your brain is so clever and so smart, it's going to fight very hard to hold on to the things that you have trained it over the years are very important. And so in order to overcome that, you're going to have to be determined. You're going to have to be incredibly consistent. You don't get to just take a day off from doing this. You'll be back so many steps if you do that. And so with that knowledge, have a think. What do you need to do in order to help yourself be successful here? Don't necessarily stick to the, well, this is what eating disorder treatment is supposed to look like. Have a think about you, yourself. You're an individual. You have to rewire your brain. What can you use in your environment, in your support system, friends, family, professionals as well? What do you need in order to help you be as consistent as you really need to be? Because one thing I do know is true is that if you do this work, it will work. And so many times people say to me, I can't stop counting calories, I can't, um, I can't do this, I can't do that. I, and then I'd say to them, well, have you actually done these things? Have you actually stopped, cha- have you actually stopped changing your behavior as a result of counting calories? And if you haven't, then how on earth can you expect your brain to stop counting calories when you're still telling your brain directly via your behavior that counting calories is relevant. Of course it's not going to drop it. And so if you're feeling hopeless about recovery, then probably don't feel hopeless about recovery because now you might understand why some things haven't been working and why your brain hasn't been responding in the way that you you want it to. It's a bit like you're trying to train a dog not to jump up but it jumps up and you're still, you know, and you're congratulating it and giving it a kiss for doing so. Of course, the dog's going to continue to jump up. So our brains are just products. They're these highly trainable things and they're products of what we teach them. And so have a look at how you are still teaching your brain that the behaviors that you are trying to stop doing are important and relevant. And then have a think about, okay, so what do I need to do in order to train my brain that these things are not, no, they are no longer important and they are no longer relevant. And if you can do that, your brain's really, really clever. It will respond and it will work this out. So I hope that helped. Um, if you have any questions, uh, you can always email me, info at tabithafra.com. And 
you know, I'm uh, podcast might be a little bit spotty for the next month or two. I'm moving house. Um, and it's quite a big project, the house that we're moving into. Very excited about it, but um, it's going to be a lot of things to organise and a lot of things to do. And so I've also got two new puppies as well, Um, and I might just not record a podcast because I might just be in the backyard buried under puppies. I hope you don't mind terribly. But I'm going to try and be consistent as I can. I'm just just setting you up for this that they might not be every week for the next month but when I'm moved in and I'm settled we'll be back to the normal schedule (laughs) until next time cheerio